Hi, Mystery Knox listeners. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Kim. And I'm Mary. Today we're going to be talking about one of the most mysterious mysteries in nautical history. In 1872, a ship was found floating adrift in the Atlantic Ocean. No one on board, no crew, no captain, no one. It's been called the, quote, sad and silent mystery of the sea, end quote. What happened to the crew? There are many theories, but no real answers. This is the case of the Mary Celeste. So before we actually get started with the case, we have a few announcements to make. If you follow us on Instagram, you should have seen that we've been trying to get to 100 followers. And we actually surpassed that a few days ago. We're at 112 followers, and we said once we get to 100 followers, we're going to do a giveaway. So that's what we're doing. Mary, do you want to tell them about the giveaway? Yeah, we are giving away a couple stickers. I mean, it's our it's our logo. It's merch. And yeah, it's the start of our merch line, so we're very excited about that. Giveaway, two stickers. We'll be posting a image to our stories, just uh, our Instagram. It's going to be on Instagram. Mm-hmm posting to stories all you have to do is repost it to yours and tag us and we'll put it in the drawing however Mm -hmm. for extra entries we'll be saying a code somewhere in the episode exactly look for that in our stories so this episode will be out tuesday and we are going to post the story wednesday right yeah and the story only runs for 24 hours But yeah, so if you're listening to this the day that the episode comes out, which is Tuesday, then you will have to wait until Wednesday to check our Instagram story and the giveaway post will be on there. And we'll leave like a little spot where you can tag us on it. So it's fairly self-explanatory. And then again, for an extra entry, listen for the code throughout the episode, which will come, I don't know, somewhere in the episode. And good luck. We're excited. Just make sure you're following us before you enter. Otherwise, if you're not following us, it won't count. Mm-hmm. The next announcement is we have our anniversary episode coming up in July, which is exciting. That means Mystery Knox has been around for a year. Although we did take that break, so it doesn't really seem like a year. But yes, it's been a year since we started the podcast. So that's exciting. And even though, yeah, even though we took the break, we were still like working on little things and what we can do for you guys. So, yeah. Um, So this episode has been the anniversary has been in the works for a bit. Mm -hmm. So if anybody has questions and now it doesn't have to be like about a case or a case that we've um, covered, but you can absolutely ask about a case or a case we've covered. You can even ask questions for us. Yeah, and you can give, like, uh, comments on what you thought on episodes or your theories on an episode, because that would be cool. So if you want to actually leave a voice message, which would be really cool, we we would put it in the episode. You just have to go to anchor.fm slash mystery knocks podcast. And there will be a little button there that says leave a message. Click that and you can leave us a voice message and we'll put it in the episode. And all of this will also be in the episode notes. So easy access for you guys. We're also doing something a little bit different this episode. We teamed up with another cool podcast to support them, and they're going to support us. So we are going to be playing their trailer in our episode today. So look out for that, and they're going to be playing ours in one of their episodes, which is really cool because it's, you know, true crime podcasts supporting each other. 
which we love. So if you are a podcast and you would like some support and would also like to support us, send us a message and we can trade trailers. And with that said, let's get to the case. On November 7th, 1872, a ship called the Mary Celeste, an American trade ship, set sail traveling from New York to Genoa with a crew that consisted of 10 people. Captain Briggs, his wife and child, first mate Albert Richardson, whom Briggs had handpicked for the journey, and six crew members. In addition to that, on board there were 1,701 barrels of a, quote, poisonous form of denatured alcohol, end quote. But before we go into details about the disappearances of the crew, we need to take you back to the beginning and talk about the ship and Captain Briggs. You see, he was a very experienced captain, which makes what happened to the Mary Celeste that much more baffling. Built in 1861, the Mary Celeste was first called the Amazon. It was a brigantine, which is a two-masted ship, and it was a beautiful ship for the times. The ship was just under 100 feet long and was designed to be manned by a small crew. The cargo hold was huge. In 1869, she was renamed the Mary Celeste and bought by a man named J.H. Winchester. In 1872, Winchester gave the ship a huge overhaul, costing around $10,000. Literally today, it would be over $200,000 worth of repairs and overhauls, so that's a lot. There was one odd thing about the Mary Celeste, though. The ship only had one lifeboat. No one has ever received a clear answer as to why, but some sources say that Winchester had stated the other one had been damaged. Once the ship was complete, Winchester then picked a new captain, Briggs. Benjamin Spooner Briggs was born on April 24, 1835, in Massachusetts. His father, Nathan Briggs, was also a captain. Benjamin was trained from a child to become a sailor from his father. When he was a teenager, he started as a deckhand. Quote, By the time he was 17, he was on a boat more often than he was at home. End quote. In 1855, his older brother died of yellow fever. He contracted it while out on a job. Unfortunately, he was only 21 years old at the time of his death. Benjamin was devastated, but this also showed him the harsh realities of life at sea. When Benjamin was 20, his father hired him to work on a ship. Although his father was captain, he wasn't treated any better than the other crew, and apparently Benjamin was very happy about this. He wanted to work hard and show people he wasn't just some captain's son that got special treatment. It was on this particular trip that Benjamin realized he wanted to do this for the rest of his life. He was very excited about his future. Over the next several years, Briggs kept working hard and made his way up in line. He eventually became a captain. Unfortunately, Benjamin experienced another loss of his sibling in 1859 due to the harsh seas. The dude can't catch a break. Fuck. I know. Poor guy. His sister was on a ship when it collided with another. She was swept overboard and perished into the sea. You'd think at this point, Benjamin might give pause to being a captain, right? Two family tragedies all involving sailing. But no. Although Benjamin mourned his sister, he was more determined than ever to pursue his dream and wasn't going to let anything get in his way. And he did. For several years, he was the captain of a ship called the Forest King. 
which I think is a cool name for a ship, by the way. Then in 1862, Benjamin married his childhood friend, Sarah. Just a side note, there were different uh, sources that said different things. So some sources said it was his friend, and then other sources said it was his cousin. <laughs> and that's a big difference. So mm-hmm. we'll just go with friend, but um, just to put it out there, we're not sure. And just guess what they did for their honeymoon. They sailed the Mediterranean. Sarah basically got a glimpse of what her future was on this trip, too, because she would accompany her husband on many sailing trips over the years. She apparently wasn't a huge fan of life on the sea, but she wanted to be near her husband. So, who could blame her? Honeymooners. But one thing Sarah did like was music. She usually always brought on board with her an instrument called a melodeon, which is a small accordion. She loved music and would play it for the crew. I guess it helped her with her sanity too, because I can't imagine being on a ship for that long. Six months? Is that what I said? Well, I mean, I don't know if the ones that she always went on were six months, but, you know, back then, sailing on a ship took months, usually, to get where you were going, so I can't even imagine that. Eventually, Benjamin and Sarah had two children, Arthur and Sophia. But just before Sophia was born, Benjamin would experience another loss of a sibling due to yellow fever. So that's that's interesting that two of him, his siblings died from yellow fever because it says here that only about 15% of people die from yellow fever. Well, now, what about back then? There's, I think that's the difference. Hmm... 1872 versus like but if you think about it it's not that far back it's not though it is but it isn't after this happened benjamin gave serious thought to taking a break from sea life he loved his life on the sea but he missed his growing family and he was getting older so he started to think about retiring he had received an inheritance from his late father and in 1872 he learned about an opportunity Winchester was willing to sell Benjamin a third share of ownership of the Mary Celeste, if he would be the captain first. Briggs was definitely enticed by this offer. There was enough room to take his family on board with him, and if Briggs did well at his job, he would receive generous compensation and could retire. Briggs took the offer, though not all of his family came along. They left their son Arthur with his grandparents because he was in school at the time. So school literally saved this kid's life. So he was 37, retiring at 37. Wow, that's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Now you have to be double that in order to retire. Seriously. By the time we get there, it'd be like, oh, sorry. We <laughs> have to be 87. Exactly. They're going to raise the age. Fuck you. They're like, oh, you want to retire at 65? That's so cute. It's like, look at you. <laughs> Oh, boy. But yeah, I mean, um, I think Arthur was seven at the time. And so, I don't know. That's just, that's just crazy that, you know, he was in school. School is the reason he's alive. Okay, Mystery Knox listeners, here is the code. Knox. N-O-X. Knox. So make sure you send us that in an Instagram message when you enter the giveaway, and you'll get an extra entry. On November 7th, 1872, 
Briggs set sail on the Mary Celeste from New York to Italy. Briggs had sailed with one of the crew members before, Albert, and they knew each other well, but he didn't know the rest of the crew. The crew on board the Mary Celeste were Benjamin Briggs, Captain, Albert Richardson, First Mate, Andrew Gilling, Second Mate, Edward Head, Steward, and four German seamen, two of them brothers, Volkert and Bos Lorenzen, Arian Martins, and, I'm going to butcher his name, I'm sorry, Gottlieb Gudshaw. Briggs and his wife seemed pleased with the crew. Sarah was even quoted saying, The crew appeared to be quite capable, if they continue as they have begun. The travel time for the trip was supposed to be six months. Unfortunately, they would never complete that journey. The ship was found on December 5th, floating adrift in the Atlantic by the De Gradia, less than a month after the Mary Celeste had first set sail. Morehouse, the captain of the De Gradia, and his crew were the ones who stumbled upon the Mary Celeste on that fateful day. When they came upon the ship, Morehouse noticed something odd about it. The ship was sailing in a circle, and most of the sails weren't drawn, which was odd because of the wind conditions. Morehouse tried signaling to the ship, but he didn't receive any response. That's when he sent his first mate, Oliver DeVoe, second mate, John Wright, and a seaman to go investigate. What they found aboard the ship was so unexpected, it would be forever haunting. He found nothing. More specifically, no one. There was absolutely no one on board. It was like they had all vanished. The crew's belongings were all still there, as was their six-month supply of food and the 1,701 barrels of alcohol. There was no lifeboat aboard, but also no evidence there had ever been one. Do you remember earlier when we were talking about the ship only having one lifeboat? According to some sources, Winchester had told Briggs because of this it would be dangerous to bring his family. Now Briggs apparently asked Winchester to fix the damaged lifeboat and add it on board so there would be two, but there's no evidence that this was ever done. According to American Heritage, quote, the ship's stores contained provisions for six months and ample drinking water. In the seamen's quarters forward and by the berths amidships, occupied until recently by the Celeste cook and two mates, were sea chests packed with clothes. The captain's cabin likewise contained clothing, stowed in boxes and hanging from hooks, including, besides masculine attire, dresses, a pair of woman's overshoes, and articles of child's wearing apparel, also child's toys, end quote. A melodeon stood opposite the captain's bed, which had been slept in by a child, DeVoe guessed. Under the bed, DeVoe found a sheathed sword with faint discolorations on its blade. There was also three and a half feet of water sloshing around the bottom of the ship, and one of the ship's pumps had been disassembled. Wait, so... Ship's pumps, what, what is that? Basically, it's uh, just a large pump that is supposed to throw water overboard that gets at the bottom of the boat but um i looked it up on google now i don't know <laughs> obviously this this was back in 1872 so i'm not sure if the pumps obviously i don't think they're mechanically the same but but essentially it's the same sort of function exactly they have the same function so it says here on carverpump.com that marine pumps uh, they're a type of water pump found on both large and small ships. They are responsible for removing water, accumulating in wells, and throwing it overboard. 
it's impossible to stop water and oil from collecting in your bilge wells, B-I-L-G-E wells, which is the bottommost part of a boat. Mm, okay. Um, so one of those was disassembled on the Mary Celeste, which they noticed when they came on board. The last entry in the logbook was on November 25th at 5 a.m., suggesting that something had happened just over two weeks after the ship had originally set sail. The Mary Celeste did not appear to be damaged, even with the water at the bottom of the boat. It was still in relatively good condition and had hardly any damages that would cause anyone to abandon the ship. So then what happened? Had Captain Briggs ordered everyone off the ship? And if so, why? If not, where were they? After the break, we will discuss the multiple theories about what could have happened to the Mary Celeste. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Brittany. And I'm Amber. And we're the hosts of True Crime Buzz. We believe there's nothing better than a good glass of wine. Or Diet Coke. And True Crime. So buckle up and get ready, y'all. Because each week we like to pour a glass. And discuss the most insane true crime stories ever. That's right. Murders, missing persons, cults, we cover it all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. With new episodes every Tuesday. So grab a drink and join us. Cheers! Now back to the case. When it comes to theories about the Mary Celeste, let's first rule out the obvious. Assault by a giant octopus or sea monster. And aliens. But more plausible theories have been a mutiny, pirate attack, or an explosion caused by fumes from the 1,701 barrels of crude alcohol. First, we'll start with the obvious rollouts, giant octopus or sea monster. We say this simply because the ship was still intact and had no signs of damage. If it had been a sea monster, it isn't going to pick and choose the cause of destruction, it just would. After all, in the old stories about sea monsters, ships were reportedly ripped apart. And aliens? That's a hard no. But there are more plausible theories that have been suggested. One of the less outlandish theories is that of a mutiny. Research showed that the crew didn't make a lot of money at all, especially for the amount of work they had to do. They were also strangers to Briggs and his family, except for Albert, the first mate, and they had barrels of alcohol at the ready, which would sell for a nice price. At first we thought this could be a valid theory, hell, people have killed for less, but when we learned more about the evidence, this theory didn't make sense to us. Upon initial check of the ship, there were strange marks found that people assumed were from an axe, and some stains that they thought might be blood. The attorney general that was leading the investigation thought the crew had gotten drunk on the alcohol and murdered Briggs and his family, then took off with the lifeboat. However, it was later revealed the axe marks were just regular wear and tear on the ship, and the stains were not blood. Even without that evidence, this theory wouldn't make much sense. If the crew had mutinied, why would they leave a perfectly good ship and risk their lives in the ocean on a lifeboat? Due to that fact alone, this theory falls flat with me. It should also be noted that the alcohol on board wasn't fit for drinking as it was industrial grade. And for those wondering, industrial grade alcohol is, quote, distilled ethyl alcohol, normally high proof, procured and sold for other than beverage purposes, end quote. Common uses are for cleaners, cosmetics, fuel, pharmaceuticals, and more, like antifreeze, solvents, dyes, and inks. So they, 
would not have even been able to drink that. No, no. If they had, though, would they have? <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to say no, but I don't know people nowadays, you know? Hmm. Interesting. I mean, people are drinking freaking mouthwash. That's true. I mean, that's not going to do anything. It's not yeah. a high proof like this stuff, but I'm just saying people will do shit. Hmm. That <laughs> yeah. is interesting. Okay. One of the more popular theories was that of a pirate attack. However, suggestive findings proved otherwise. Once we learned that nothing was looted from the ship, nor was money taken, or the ship destroyed, the pirate theory didn't make sense. If pirates had attacked the ship, you would think there'd be goods missing and evidence of foul play. But there was none of that, and actual pirates would have taken advantage of that. Any thoughts or theories about the pirates' attack? Yeah, I just, um... I mean, you, you already said it, like, why we don't think it was a pirate attack, or why people don't think that now but i know like back then obviously a lot of ships got pirated and um they usually do destroy the ship right they destroy it they run it aground they take it as their own yeah yeah okay so yeah that whole thing it's always a destructive element to it yeah i want to say they would not have just left all that alcohol there because that was worth a lot of money i think that's the first thing they'd, they'd go for Yeah, absolutely. And then all the, you know, there was still food on board. It's like six months worth of food on board. So that, yeah, that just rules that out for me, for sure. Like any sort of thing that's not bolted down, you take. Yeah. Another theory was a possible explosion caused by the fumes from the 1,701 barrels of crude alcohol in the ship's hold, causing the captain his family, and the rest of the crew to take a lifeboat ashore. It's noted that nine of the barrels were made of red oak and not white oak, like the rest, which red oak is known to be a more porous wood and therefore more likely to leak. I found that really interesting. I went on Trusty Google and looked up red oak versus white oak, and on uh, woodworkersource.com, it says here, in quick terms, White oak contains a couple of properties that allow it to repel water and resist rotting away better than red oak. So that would make, obviously that makes sense why red oak is more porous. And here's a little more information about this theory that we found. Quote, whether due to turbulence or porous barrels, noxious alcoholic fumes may have escaped, either causing a small explosion or making the crew think an explosion was imminent. Briggs may have then given the order to temporarily abandon ship, with everyone piling into the lifeboat to sail behind the Mary Celeste until danger had passed. The rope attaching the boat to the ship may have then come undone, leaving them to bob uselessly as the empty Mary Celeste sailed away, abandoning them to the awful immensity of the sea. End quote. Had there been an explosion, there would be evidence. Or not. Quote, In 2005, a team of technicians from the University of London recreated a scale model of the Mary Celeste, sealing the cargo hold after having introduced butane and other combustibles. They then set off the explosion. Ethanol burns at a very low temperature. Its explosion is violent, but as demonstrated by the experiment, it burns out quickly and does not leave marks on the wood. End quote. If the barrels exploded, or if there had been an explosion, there would technically be no burn marks on the wood. Mm-hmm. But we would have seen that there was an explosion. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because the barrels would have been exploded. Mm -hmm. Which they were not. 
No. Right. Okay. So it was just emitting fumes <clears throat> of some sort. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. weird for them to say an explosion, and yet I'm like, I'm, I'm picturing an explosion, you know. Yeah. All this stuff everywhere. But Me too. they're thinking of something totally different. Or at least in terms of fumes, yeah. Gotcha. Well, I will say that of all the theories that we talk about, I feel like this one makes the most sense to me. And not necessarily the explosion part, but just the leaking. Like smelling of the fumes. Yeah, the smelling of the fumes. Because yeah. um, I do feel like... Well, in uh, any situation, if you smell gas, you're going to evacuate. Yeah, exactly. And I did read somewhere in one of the sources that since he had his family with him this time, he was he might have tended to be on the more cautious side than he originally would have if his wife and daughter weren't with him. Uh, so it is a big possibility that they smelled the fumes and then he, like they said, they he ordered the crew and his family into the lifeboat just to wait until the till it passed, right? But then possibly the, the rope came undone or something happened and they lost the ship. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously. I could, I could see that. Yeah. 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 And then obviously they were never found because it's the freaking Atlantic Ocean and they're in the middle of nowhere. Now, wasn't there another theory about the crew that found the Mary Celeste having something to do with their disappearances? Yeah, it was the DeGradia crew, but that hasn't been completely debunked. The DeGradia crew have remained innocent on the matter, stating they found the ship empty with not a soul on board when they found her. The crew sailed the Mary Celeste, quote, 800 miles to Gibraltar, where a British vice admiralty court convened a salvage hearing, which was usually limited to determining whether the salvagers, in this case the DeGradia crewmen, were entitled to payment from the ship's insurers. End quote. Frederick Solly Flood found the whole thing suspicious, suspecting the crew of mischief and spent the next three months investigating. In the end, the court found no evidence of foul play and the crew received one sixth of the $46,000 which translates to $830, in which the ship was insured. Even at the end, authorities still weren't convinced on the matter of their innocence. No, but what do you think of this theory, though? I don't know. I do find it interesting, and I see how people could have come up with this theory, because it could have happened. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, there is motive because of the money that they would have received. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, even if they did do it, they didn't get as much money as they wanted. Well, I guess fortunately it would be. So there's that. But the thing that kind of halts me with it is Briggs and Morehouse, who was the captain of the DeGradia. Yeah, they were friends. Were, or not yeah, friends, they were friends, but they were on good terms. Yeah. Yes, they were on good terms. And they even had like dinner together the night before they both left. So that's the only thing where I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's both um, that I feel that maybe it was just out of good conscience to do that. But other theory is that, yeah, money. Because mm -hmm. money, yeah, drives people to do stuff. But like with yeah, them only getting either. 830 bucks or, you know, $46,000. Back then it would be a lot. Obviously not as much as they wanted. Yeah, true. But they still got something from it. Here's my question, though. Morehouse had obviously done many other sailing uh, jobs and stuff. So if he did do it, why this crew? Like, why this ship? Or had he done it to other ships previously if he, if they actually did do it? What, what do you mean? Like, on purpose? or? Yeah, like, say this theory is true. 
and the DeGuardia crew did murder. What? So like they were following them on purpose or just because my thing is maybe they stumbled upon them, not because other people said that, oh, since they kind of traveled within the same, they were just behind them sort of thing. Well, yeah, they were supposed to be like eight days behind them, apparently. Mm -hmm. But no, I was saying like if Morehouse and his crew did do this, okay, like they murdered the crew of the Mary Celeste and uh, took the Mary Celeste for the money. Wouldn't Morehouse have other suspicious things in his past as well about taking taking other ships? Because why why all of a sudden would he just want to do this to the Mary Celeste? That was my question. I can see that, but yeah. I don't. In that case, I don't think so. Because mm-hmm. the way he just all of a sudden just started with this one, no. Because this yeah, was exactly. like probably the first and last, then right. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I mean, um, you would hope so if he actually did do it, but I don't know. I, I don't, think, I don't he... think. I don't think they did it. No, I don't think they did. Um, and and also they had suspected maybe that they had like done sinister stuff, right? Which obviously not. There's no evidence of any of that. No foul play. No blood. No damage or anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No foul so play I, found. Yeah, I think they just found the ship and mm-hmm. returned it, and whatever money they got is whatever they got. Um, and it probably wasn't even about the money because if it was I could see them griping about it like that's all I'm getting sort of thing yeah and since they true. didn't I honestly think they found it and returned it yeah agree because <clears throat> because that is what they did basically you know once um hold on I gotta see his name again once the first mate of the DeGradia Oliver DeVoe and John Wright, <clears throat> once they got to the Mary Celeste to look around, and obviously they found nobody was there, then they rode back to Guardia and they told Morehouse, like, nobody is on the ship, we don't know what's going on, but everything looks okay. And so Oliver is actually, according to the research, he's the one who brought up the, the idea of taking the Mary Celeste, of sailing it back to New York or, or um, yeah, back to New York to get the money. New York? Like, or, sorry, Italy. Gibraltar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who brought up the idea. So Morehouse didn't even bring up the idea. And I, I actually read that Morehouse had to think hard about doing it because he didn't want to separate his crew. Mm-hmm. So that also, if all of that is true, which makes me pause to think that they did anything to them. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Another theory that was mentioned was that of a natural disaster, a water spout or even a violent sea quake. However, it wouldn't explain how the ship was still in one piece and in good condition. A water spout is like a water tornado, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then a sea quake is just like an earthquake, but in the sea. Yep. So that theory Yeah, because if a water spout hit the ship, obviously it would be destroyed, or pieces would be off, or something. There would be um, obvious damage to the damage. ship, yeah. And then this, but the sea quake, maybe not, right? I don't think so. I mean, it's just going to create waves. It's going to, mm-hmm. well, well, that would have, or explain the whole three feet of water in the ship's bottom. But, I mean, it was in the uh, the journal, right? That they were saying yeah. that there was um, wind and, and waves, the rocky waters. 
mm-hmm. but nothing of like major to where they had to abandon ship. True. They were still True. on it because they were. It was pretty much like that the entire way. What if a sea quake kind of just came out of nowhere, and so he didn't have time to write it down in the in the ship's log? But the thing about that is. Even if there was a sea quake, yeah, you would stay would you, on the ship. Why would you abandon the ship? Yeah, yeah that you makes wouldn't no go sense. on a little dinghy. Exactly. So that part doesn't make sense. Even no. with the three and a half foot water at the bottom, mm-hmm. that's not enough to abandon the ship. Like, no. and from and the even research, he was well seasoned sailor traveler. Yeah, he that wouldn't have stopped him from abandoning ship. Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't make sense. Oh, do you think maybe they got in the lifeboat when a sea quake started because they saw land and they tried to make it to shore? I don't know. Because they were far. I mean, they seen land or Mm -hmm. it was visible. Right. But if there's a sea quake, I... You wouldn't be getting in a little lifeboat, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. I, I I would rather stay... On the big ship. On the, on the bigger ship. Because you have your theory about how they got into a lifeboat and tried to go to an island, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not in regards to the to the sea quake or any sort of um, water spout or natural mm-hmm. disaster. It was just, I, I thought that, you know, that was a reason to leave the boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know about if it was calmer seas or anything, but yeah, they see land and they think, oh, that's where we're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would make sense. Sea land, let's get off and go check it out. But the other thing is, wouldn't they normally leave someone behind? Yeah, I think they typically do. But remember in Solly Flood's notes, and he said that the day before uh, Briggs reached the Azores, he changed and he headed north of the Santa Maria Island and he thought that he might have done that because he was seeking haven like refuge from whatever made them leave the ship and that's near Portugal I believe right? yes I think when I checked Google Maps Um, but that's what I don't get why unless he didn't well I can't even say that theory of him being lost if he's traveled a lot and he I'm pretty sure he knows his way. Experienced. Mm-hmm. Dude. And, um, experienced guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't... If they say he was he was lost, I don't believe that. Like, mistaking one landmass for another. I kind of... I go both ways on that. Yeah, I can understand it, but then I don't, because of how experienced he is. Yeah. No, but I even agree that, that. But even that. Even experienced people in a matter can have their faults, so... I that's really... true. But yeah, that's what got me in the notes when they said perhaps seeking haven. I'm like, I what is that? What does that entail? Yeah, yeah. It just means that they're in trouble, so they're yeah. trying to get like something safe. sinister was having. I mean, like what? Yeah. brought you to that conclusion? Not you, obviously, but like them right. to think that that they needed to seek haven. I'm not sure, but I will say because he was such an experienced cap capitan. <laughs> An experienced captain. Um, I feel like obviously it would have to be something really bad for him to change his course. Yeah. And seek, you know, safety at some other land mass. Mm -hmm. And 
But remember, and I just thought of this, he did have his two-year-old daughter with him. So I'm wondering, maybe something happened to her and he was trying to get to shore. Oh, yeah. To get help for her. Maybe mm -hmm. something happened to the kid uh, that we don't know about. Or, you know, maybe it was the alcohol that we talked about, the fumes. And so he yeah. was trying to get to shore really quickly so they could get off the boat. I mean, it could be so many things. No, I just and... had a thought and then it left me. So I, I'm just, when you had said that, I was like, yeah. Oh, about the kid? No, I'm well, them going to an island. But then yeah. it's like, wouldn't people find them? Well, yeah, and that was my other thought. You would just assume or you would think that they would have been found by people. But, again, this is 1872, and depending on where they ended up, if they did get to an island. See, in terms of, like, in that, I would think that people would have found them. But then was there a search party, or did they just take out oh, the boats here and they're not? that were you know? Well, and that's the weird thing. In all the research I did, I didn't hear anything about of a, a search, search party. party. Yeah, see? Yeah, nothing. It was like, oh, there's the boat. Here's the money. They're, yeah. they're missing. And it we was like, <laughs> and it was basically like they just already assumed that they had died or, you know, yeah, capsized into the ocean or something and they would never be found again. But they were like, oh, we got to take the ship back <laughs> to save yeah. the alcohol. And that was it. That was all yeah. that was done, it seemed. It, yeah, exactly. So... I mean, That's I, how much they thought about them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I did not run across anything. You didn't either with no. the research. Um, if we miss something, I mean, you guys listening, if you know something else about there being a search for them, let us know because we did not find anything about that. I mean, if I had to pick one right now that I think is the most logical about what happened to them, or the one that I think happened... I would probably pick the um, the one where they smelled the fumes. And then, you know, Briggs just being, per uh, taking precautions because his family was with them. Got everybody in the lifeboat to wait it out, you know, until the and fumes then something smell passed. Yeah. yeah, and then something happened to the lifeboat, whether that be the rope came undone or maybe, maybe then a sea quake came, you know, when they were in the lifeboat and something happened there. But I think that's the most likely. What about you? If anything, I, th I think it was um, something like that, where mm -hmm. they, they got off because the fumes were too strong. Maybe the boat just, you know, tipped because of the waves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I could, I could totally see that happening then, just capsizing in the lifeboat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the most likely. So I was actually curious about what happened to the Mary Celeste, so I looked it up, and... In 1885, a captain named G.C. Parker uh, deliberately sailed the Mary Celeste into a reef near Haiti. And the reason he did that was to claim the insurance money on the ship. But, funny story, I guess, the ship never actually sunk, which is what he was aiming for. But it was stuck on the reef, so they weren't able to, to move it. And so the Mary Celeste was just left there to to uh, deteriorate on the reef. So that's the final resting place of the Mary Celeste. On a reef near Haiti. We don't know exactly where. And if it's still there. Yeah, or if it's still there. Because, honestly, how long does it take a huge ship like that to deteriorate? 
if what it's not it? under the water. I don't. I, I think it just depends. Um, just environment, because I've seen some ships that are still like in a spot, but they're not mm -hmm. submerged. So maybe that has something to do with it. In the level of it being submerged, I mean. Right. Yeah, I would actually like be really curious to see it and even see if it's underwater. I don't know. Yeah, because it certain amount of disturbance. Uh, yeah. Just because, I mean, like Titanic, that's still, for the most part, intact. Right. But that's not, it's not being hit with a bunch of, like, current or anything. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never thought that this story would be as, like, interesting at the start, because I was like, mm -hmm. ugh, I don't know about this ship sort of thing, mystery. <laughs> right. But that seems to be the thing of things with this. Yeah. Well, we pick something, and at first it's like, ugh, I don't know about this. Exactly. Yeah, And same. it turns out to be interesting, and we learn a little bit more about freaking water spouts and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sea water pumps. And... Yeah. Yeah. Learn something new. And that's it. Yeah. That's the case of the Mary Celeste. All right, Mystery Knox listeners, that's it for today's case. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to hear your thoughts on this episode, so let us know on our Instagram and Facebook at Mystery Knox Podcast, on Twitter at Mystery Knox Pod, or send us a voice message on anchor.fm slash Mystery Knox Podcast. A list of our sources and photos from this case can be found on our blog at mysteryknoxpodcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll see you on our next episode, and remember, stay weird, stay curious. If I say it weird, just let me know. Just cut it. Okay. Okay. Because I felt like that was weird. Was that weird? Just say it again. Damn it. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs>